Hi, Deepa. Welcome to Detox Talk.、Um, Thank you. It's great to have you here. And、uh, how have you been doing this? And how do you get everything to come together? And、That's、if you have some plans, like short-term plans for this year. Yeah, thank you for having me on your podcast.、Uh, I'm so glad that I'm having this conversation, and I'm. Spreading the word around of on impact DAOs beyond North America and Europe, I feel、uh, um, the whole world needs to learn about impact DAOs. So I'm really grateful that you've invited me on your podcast today.、Um, so、uh, to give a bit of a background,、uh, I've been a social entrepreneur my entire career. I've worked in、um, different parts of the world, including Singapore and. Pretty have heavily in Asia Pacific. I've traveled extensively to Cambodia, Vietnam, even been to Beijing.、Uh, nice. There's a United Way there, and so I was part of United Way、uh, before, and so there was a United Way conference. So I went to Beijing for that. So yeah, so I've traveled pretty extensively, and I have a good grassroots understanding.、Um, I got into Web three in twenty twenty one when there was a、uh, Delta outbreak in India and.、Uh, Some people were fundraising. Some, you know, some big influential people in the crypto community were garnering funds in crypto to make a donation and、yeah. help with the outbreak in India. And so Vitalik Buterin made a donation of one、uh, billion dollar worth of Shiba co- coins, and yeah, that yeah. really caught yeah that caught my attention. I'm like, this firstly, this is the biggest donation. Somebody has ever made on a single day, like a billion、yeah. dollars worth of Shiba coins, yeah. And um, and uh, the team that took the donation, which is basically the Polygon founder, um, and they were they were the ones that were running this campaign. And you can think of them as a DAO. They just didn't call themselves a DAO because it was completely volunteer run, and they、mm-hmm. collaborated on Discord, and they had volunteers from all over the world.、Uh, somebody from the US helping them with their Twitter. You know, so it was like really a worldwide、uh, event that was、uh, facilitated on Discord. They were early in twenty twenty one. DAOs were still not that prevalent, so they never called themselves a DAO. But I will, I would say they definitely behaved and acted like an impact DAO. They had a multi sig wallet that had a treasury of a billion dollars, which they obviously took time to. Uh, you know, liquidate it because you can't suddenly liquidate so so many coins at at one go. It can affect the market. So、yeah. they took time time to liquidate it, and they got it into India, and it saved lives. It provided oxygen cylinders because that was the need of the hour at that point of time. People were dying due to lack of oxygen, so it helped. It had the purchasing power, and so I really got interested into crypto from that point of view.、Mm-hmm. Like, how can this magic internet money save lives? Like, does it really have any value beyond the internet? And、uh, so I started writing a lot、uh, and started looking at things that have happened in the past in terms of crypto philanthropy. I documented a lot of that on my Substack, where I write、uh, often, and I looked at the NFT scene in twenty twenty one and how NFTs、uh, raised almost close to fifteen million dollars for. 
for the nonprofit world. And this kind of donation, they never expected, you know, ne- nobody had ever thought that NFTs can be a tool for fundraising or that you can yeah. do an NFT sale and give like 10% from it to a nonprofit. So yeah. it was pretty fascinating. And in 2022, um, uh, Ukraine DAO happened the day Russia attacked Ukraine. Um you know, and the girl who uh, co-founded Ukraine Dao, she's a Ukrainian. She knew this Russia's attack is imminent and that she needs to do something. She's based in London mm-hmm. and her parents are back in Ukraine. And um, so she registered a Twitter handle a couple of days before the war. She knew the war is going to happen. And she made a plea to the crypto community. Uh, again, um, she's pretty strong in the Dao circles in London and she was part of Free Ross Dao. And so through that Dao and their website, she wrote an open letter to the crypto community asking them to come together and help her with this attack that's very possible. And uh, so she mobilized the, the crypto world. And two days later, you know, Russia attacked Ukraine. Yeah. But she was ready. She was ready with the Twitter handle. She had already made a plea. She got Pleaser DAO, which is a big DAO. They started in 2021 to collect uh, prominent NFTs. So she mm-hmm. got members of Pleaser DAO involved. She got members of Free Ross. Vitalik Putin, she got on a call with Vitalik Putin. And he, he promoted Ukraine DAO. And so all of this was happening on Twitter. And I was fascinated again. I wanted to see uh, how people on the internet can come together and use mm-hmm. Web3 tools. You know, they don't have to open a bank account. It takes time. Yeah. Yeah. And also there is no conversion. You're just donating. Yeah, there are different kinds of coins you can donate in, but you're not like co- converting from one currency to another currency. And, you know, so much money gets lost in those exchanges. Yeah. So she set up a, uh, this. Uh, so they were the first uh, DAO that came to like call themselves a DAO and they made use of every possible Web3 tools to fundraise including nfts flash loan party bid like every possible tool and it was a very nice campaign in the sense that the entire crypto community came together uh, to mobilize funds and to set up this infrastructure you need to set up the infrastructure right to donate and make sure the address is appointed to the right place or it can go somewhere else totally right it's kind of scary But they did all of that and they did an uh, uh, NFT fundraiser, which is amazing. And so they raised $7 million in five days. And I was, again, blown away by the way things happened. And I wanted to go deep into this DAO space. You know, I wanted to understand DAOs as a model for organizing. And and so it started with Ukraine DAO. And I wanted to study them more in depth. And I did, uh, uh, and I also wanted to experience what it is to work with people on the internet with strangers on the internet complete strangers they're not part of my university circle or my office circle you know so I wanted to start a DAO to study impact DAOs basically research them be the source of truth you know not just uh, you know uh, observe them but uh, talk to them have conversations with them with the builders the contributors understand what it what it is like to work in a new kind of organization, what it is like to get paid in crypto, you know, and or to, in tokens and just understand this new economy that's taking yeah. place. Yeah. So so uh, I did a call for contributors on, on Twitter, crypto Twitter is, you know, where everybody in crypto is on Twitter. Yeah. And um, Ke- Kevin Awaki, who wrote the Green Bell book, retweeted it. And it... Um, 
you know, caught attention of a lot of people and they responded to my call for contributors. I had just asked them to fill out a very short form, which was basically their Twitter handle or their LinkedIn handle and how they can help with this research that I want to undertake. Mm -hmm. And um, this was just to do a preliminary scan that I'm not dealing with any, uh, you know, bad strangers on the internet like you know there's some basic level of yeah. uh, comfort and yeah. uh, they, were, they were all great people all of them who applied uh, were invited to participate in the study we had a zoom call launch as impact our media and mm-hmm. we set up a discord server and uh, and that's how we got started as a DAO ourselves and just being uh, living this DAO life since May 2022 has been a great experience. We've learned a lot ourselves and we are suggesting and advocating for a lot of things uh, that we've studied from these 12 DAOs that we studied and from our own experience. And we are advocating for better measures for governance and for structuring because we've realized what works, what doesn't work. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I would say ours was one of the most high-performing DAOs because we achieved a lot in six months. You know, we got started as a group only last week of May and we started, you know, researching in terms of what are the 12 impact DAOs that we should include in our study. And Mm. at that point of time, impact DAO scene was still very new. You know, we wanted to study mature DAOs, you know, the ones that have been around for at least five to six months so that we can... You know, that was a minimum criteria. We also had impact as in criteria in terms of how much impact they've made. But then gradually, we didn't focus so much on impact because we realized these organizations are very new. And let's yeah. not put undue, undue pressure right now. That's not a purpose. They will make impact over a period of time. But yeah. right now, let's just study the organization structure, how they function, what what is their mission, how do they <clears throat> mobilize the community and all that stuff. So we selected 12 DAOs. We took about a month to select these 12 DAOs. We, as a DAO, democratically voted on mm. which 12 DAOs to be included in our study. So it was not my decision. Um, and we identified the categories. We were very conscious that we picked DAOs from different categories. So within the impact DAO space, there are, you know, there are DAOs that do different things. Like there are DAOs around climate, there are DAOs around providing um, help to the underprivileged and the vulnerable. There are DAOs in the city. So at city mm. level, they're providing mutual aid and hyperlocal. And then there's oh. Ukrainian DAO, which is around emergency and stuff. So we were very uh, conscious that we at least select, have a good representation from all of these. Okay. And, f- yeah. and for Gitcoin was also part of a study. So Gitcoin is a meta DAO, I would say they are an enabler yeah. because you can come on the platform, fundraise and, and execute on your mission. So uh, they... Be- fell into the enabler category because they're enabling impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, so get, so we had some of the best that existed and they were the only ones. There may, may have been few more, but these were the best. Yeah. Uh, part, of a, part of a study. And we conducted 30 interviews, conversations, just like you and me are having, with, yeah. like, with questions, really detailed questions about almost everything that happens in a DAO. And uh, the, uh, we study, we broadcasted those interviews as podcasts and we launched a podcast all about impact DAOs. And that was intentional from day one. We knew that it's important that these conversations are not limited to just, you know, two or three people, but they're broadcasted because they're great mm-hmm. conversations. They're about building a yeah. new kind of organization. So yeah. 
how do you seed a community for instance on the internet how do you go about saying i want to save the children but then how how do i find my tribe on the internet so what was the process they took so and some of them transitioned from being a traditional organization to being a dao for instance gitcoin was a tech company and yeah. uh, they were operated as a tech company for the longest period of time in the transition into becoming a dao so we wanted to understand what the transition process is there was another yeah. non non-profit which is a packed dao it's a city based dao they provide hyperlocal mutual aid in new york city and mm-hmm. they were a non-profit and they completely transitioned into a dao so we wanted to understand those transitions as well so yeah, uh, yeah. everything that we learned and have achieved uh, um, th- through this research has been put together in a book it's called the impact dao book mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a great book for people within the web3 space and people outside the web3 space because it's a great introduction to what impact mm. those are we've listed yeah. 12 12 case studies and we've also profiled in a snapshot way how they thou and in the end we've linked every case study and the people we spoke to with the links to a podcast so people if they are interested in digging more can also mm-hmm. go and listen to the podcast so it's a great great book um, and a lot of people in web3 thought dows means voting you know people say that yeah, oh yeah. we got to vote or we got to vote but that's not what we discovered through a study we yeah. discovered totally different things about about dows you know like somebody yeah, says yeah. dows in dows you don't really need to know your other people you're working with you know you can just go and vote on chain and manage funds but it's mm-hmm. so important that when you are organized to make an impact that you get to know people you're working with and so yeah. impact impact dows talked about relationships being yeah very, yeah totally very important. Yeah. yes yeah and if you talk to any defi dao you know the decentralized finance kind of daos yeah. they will give you a totally different picture of what a dao is but yeah. impact daos are very different because they they are organized around a different purpose you know it's yeah. not financial yeah so yeah that's how we end up doing so much in 6 months is a dao we had 22 people who contributed to the study and the research um and uh, I was the only full-time member um, um and um, all the 22 people that contributed contributed during different phases of the re- of the project some people were more active in the beginning and then they dropped out and uh, came back later again while some didn't come back a while towards the end totally new people joined this project you know so it's been a great great experiment ourselves running as a dao and we're just about to start a season 2 today actually <laughs> so oh this so anyway. is great so so the second stage apart from the 12 dows case study what is your plan so now we want to continue doing research so those were the 12 impact dows that we studied but there are yeah. more dows that have matured and have exp- have had like a one year of experience running as a yeah. dow yeah. so we're going to be selecting our next eight dows that we should include in the study and the categories have also expanded so b- before they were just you know as i said they were in the enabler category climate or mm. social impact but now we want to include dows from the network state category as well because i feel that's very futuristic you know uh, yeah. i don't know if you've read the book the network yes. state written by palavi yes. yeah so there are dows that are experimenting mm. in that space too like city dao 
We loved him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was in the space of decentralized science. It didn't exist in 2022. It was so new. But now there are DAOs that, that have had one year of experience. Yeah. In, you know, decentral, uh, working yeah. in the decentralized science model. Vita DAO. I, yeah. Vita DAO, for instance, and there's yeah. Valley DAO that's based in London again. And I just had them on my podcast. And the way they're thinking about governance has also changed because initially, most of the DAOs, they just, took what DeFi DAO was doing and they adopted it without thinking too much, you know, without yeah, yeah. having first first principle thinking. But now yeah. people are thinking, what is the best way to organize on the internet? So we want to, yeah, we want to continue researching. So we're going to select the next eight impact DAOs and we will, again, have one-on-one conversations with at least three to four people based on the yeah. size of the DAO and broadcast all those conversations as uh, podcasts and uh, update our book. So our book is da- a dynamic book. It's not static because in crypto, oh, yeah. things are changing very fast. So we've only launched it digitally right now. And the, the code of the book is stored on GitHub. It's an open source project under Creative Commons license. Uh, and uh, we will be, uh, you know, uh, anybody who wants to suggest changes or updates can do a pull request and we just automatically update the book. And so we want to now update uh, with eight new case studies by the end of uh, May, you know that's our goal. By the uh, so uh, it, people will have good twenty uh, case studies to go through, you know, from from yeah. that book, Impact House book. Uh, so that's a season two goal basically, and I'm launching. I'm starting with a brand new team because, as mm-hmm. I said, uh, uh, there were only maybe two or three people who stayed with me from the beginning to the end, but most of them came left came left because that's the nature of the contributors right nobody yeah. everybody has a full-time job literally this is the a part-time thing that they're doing you know so yeah. that's totally yeah. understandable and so I'm raising a totally new team uh, to conduct the research and I've got fantastic response uh, there are uh, there's somebody from Czech Republic he's a researcher at a university and he's just very passionate he's been studying Dao, which is an impact DAO just as a side project and I'm like why don't you join us and study eight more DAO? so he's joining us um you know my uh there's a amazing designer I think he helped design some of Gridcoin's early visuals and he helped design the the podcast cover for all about impact house podcast and he's very interested in research too he's a UX uh, interface guy very big in the nft community but apart from his design interest he's very interested in understanding the psychology and the why of things yeah why yeah, yeah you know and so he wants to do that with us which is amazing because i would have never assumed you know automagic is his name that he would be interested in doing research but that's yeah. his passion and so these are people with passion and interest that are coming together to to help us in season two yeah, I think you you hit a very interesting point because uh, a lot of people are doing this like part-time and interest-based. Um, so their work can be a bit sporadic. Um, there has to be someone to put everything together. It's like That's a right. new, new management style. That's so, right. That's right. And it is decentralized, you know, it's not yeah. that I'm trying to control. But if I'm not there, and I'm not thinking, and I'm not planning, yeah, yeah. then this will fall apart. And, you know, there was another initiative that 
took place within bank class. There mm-hmm. was a group that came together to write a book, apparently, on DAOs. Yeah. And I don't think they ended up publishing it. They didn't even finish the project, you know, because you can't do this as a... It is pretty intensive. And the kind of yeah, thing yeah, that yeah. we put in, we've not just written a book just by looking at things. We've researched. It's a source of truth. We're not... Yeah. You know, what tools are being used? We, we are not coming up with those tools. These are tools that these 12,000 are using. So it's very fact-based. Uh, so I feel it's so important that somebody in the DAO is full-time. And, you know, I've mm. been talking to a lot of DAOs. Like I had Valley DAO, which is in the space of decentralized science. Uh, and uh, they're doing something in synthetic biology and they have a community. But he said there are the 90% of the work is still done by the four or five core team members, which are basically yeah. the co-founders or the yeah. other paid, paid employees. Yeah. And in my case, I just happen to be a sole initiator. So somebody needs to do the thinking and, and the team appreciates it because there is direction, you know, otherwise, yeah, you're yeah. you know, yeah. some sort of structure is needed. Otherwise, it's, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of chaos. And there's also minimal structure. But if that minimal yeah, structure is yeah. not there, it'll fall apart. That's know? also something I've experienced, <laughs> I've been thinking. So decentralization doesn't mean no structure, also doesn't mean no leadership or no um, certain level of centralization. It's a spectrum. That's what I've been feeling. Oh, totally. It's yeah. a spectrum. It's a journey from, yeah. and from centralization to decentralization. And within the decentralization space, it can go from being total anarchy to some kind of uh, two structure, you know, like, yeah. so what I'm trying to say is that as long as the intent is there and you're figuring out, because this is an experiment that we are running for the future of work. So every, all of us that mm-hmm. we're having this conversation, we're very ahead of our times, you know, the rest yeah, of the world yeah. hasn't caught into it. And we are the very small group that's uh, running this experiment and researching and broadcasting, you know, like you're doing. And this will become a norm in the future because people are more living their lives on the internet, right? It is just yeah. far more convenient and cost effective and uh, effect, you know, just efficient to be on the internet. And so more people will be connecting on the internet around meaningful work, right? Yeah. From all around the world. It's also very nice. Like, I feel it builds a more inclusive world because you learn to work with uh, people from different backgrounds and you get, uh, get different perspectives on the same yeah. problem, right? Like you may yeah, have totally yeah. different perspectives. Yeah. So it's amazing. And I feel this is the future of work and collaboration. And all of us are very early right now. And um, we are the pioneers, you know, in this space. Yes, definitely. Um, I also feel like... Uh, with having all those conversations with people from different backgrounds, from different countries, uh, you are being impacted. And yeah, we are being impacted. And we are also making impact merely by making those exchanges, isn't it? That's right. That's right. So much you learn about different cultures. It just makes you a better human being, I would say. 
right? People yeah, have biases. Totally oh, this is what happens in this country or this is what happens here. And then you start talking to the people from those countries and you're like, nah, this is something that I've held a view yeah. about a country, but the people are so nice. They're so different. And so it just builds a more kinder, just inclusive world just because these collaborations are happening. And, you know, people have, it's not the first time that we are doing DAOs, like open source software community, like, you know, people, yeah. when they put their code on GitHub, yeah. uh, they the community contributes but there is no real community exchange happening like us visual exchange you know we're on a zoom call talking to each other it's mostly that they exchange code you know they submit their code through github yeah. so it's very it's very automated and uh and yeah you may end up making friends in the process that who are actively contributing to your code but it's not like DAOs where there are relationships matter you know because we're yeah, there yeah, to collect yeah. collectively get work done so it's a different thing it's a different world it's totally different so after um engaging with your own DAO starting your own DAO and then interviewing all those DAOs is there any yeah. kind of um, method Learnings. or method? I mean, yeah, yeah, method so, that that you realize that that can help uh, help an organization, a DAO, to hit the good points uh, on the spectrum of decentralization and decentralization. That's right. Yeah, there is a method. So the method is, uh, as I said, there needs to be a mission, a vision. Mm and values around which your community is aligned. Very important. So, okay. uh, you know, when you start, say, if somebody wants to start a DAO, you need to clearly yeah. outline what your mission is because you're going yeah. to galvanize your community around your mission. They get inspired by the mission. They join your cause, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's very important. You also define your values because you need to find value-aligned partners. You can get mission-aligned partners, but what if their values are different? You know, yeah. what if they don't believe in open source? They want to close things down because we can make more money. But no, we believe in open source and making information accessible. So it's very important that our values are also uh, aligned. So I I feel like that's the step number one in the method. And then yeah. obviously uh, you need... Uh, there are no bosses, but there are leaders. And so somebody needs to play a central point leader, you know, uh, leadership role initially before other yeah. leaders emerge. Because right now you are just strangers. You don't know who else is a leader, right? And yeah, who, yeah. how somebody can help. So you, as I said, somebody or the core team or the co-founders or the initiators of the project need to play that leadership role, a central leadership role where they say, okay, guys, this is the plan. This is how we're going to structure ourselves. And this is what we're going to do and put it out for discussion. Everything is community driven, right? And then the community would... Uh, would uh, uh, have their own inputs. But generally the way DAOs are structured is that they divide themselves, subdivide themselves into work streams. And so yeah. work streams are di different departments. You can think of them as, you know, marketing department of, or uh, we're going to do based on what the nature of the project is. For us, it, uh, we had a, a book writing work stream. We had like yeah. a research work stream. Yeah. And by the end of our own DAO um first season DAO experience and from learning from other DAOs and reading Vitalik Buchan's posts on DAOs, uh, what we've realized is that pod level decentralization is better or pod level work organization is better. And pods are smaller than work streams. They're not big departments. They're very small. They're, yeah. you know, they're the smallest unit of operation, maybe four or five people. Yeah. And 
and you s- divide yourselves into pods, pod, uh, different pods. So we'll have like a research pod and that research pod can have a lead or two leads who takes responsibility. Yeah. Somebody yeah. needs to take responsibility because you're trying to decentralize work. So if that central leadership continues to be like the leader for everything, then it's not really... It's also the leader assigned more power as well. Like, yeah, uh, not everything goes into voting, right? So exactly. It, I'm coming to that. So, yeah, okay. I'm coming. That's my favorite topic, by the way, because that really, I was, I was, I was like, what is happening in this DAO space? Why are people so obsessed with voting? But I'm coming to that. So, yeah, you need to organize yourselves into some kind of work streams or pods. And each of these work streams and pods have leaders. It can be one leader or co-leaders who takes responsibility of getting the work done. Okay, we're Mm going to do visuals. This is what we're going to do. And every Friday, we're going to pop out a new visual for this. You know, I'm just giving you an example. And then governance and uh, voting takes place at that department or pod level because uh, this is something that I've been advocating for so right now what happens in DAOs is that some DAOs they engage the entire community to vote on things you know and uh, and almost everything goes for voting so we had like Klima DAO we had proof of humanity as part of a study and also Dream DAO and uh, and other DAOs in general, because a lot of these DAOs have just adopted the model, as I said, of DeFi DAOs without really thinking through from the first principles. But now a lot of them have changed their approach. After almost a year of being a DAO, they've changed their approach. So it's not the same story, but the story was that the entire community was voting on almost everything. So what should be the color of the logo? Should it be yellow or should it be green? Oh, let's call all 100 people to vote on. All hundred people don't have the expertise. They're not the aesthetics people, you know, or there's no point. Or in proof of humanity, they have like 16,000 people on the protocol. So proof of humanity is a protocol that authenticates every person to be one person and not more than one person to, you know, uh, to basically uh, solve the problems for civil attack and bots and Twitter, you know, like one person can create multiple accounts and be a bot, you know, like, so they solve for a lot of those great problems. It's a great product. But because they had 17 or 16,000 people on their registry, each of them got a vote and they automatically became part of the DAO and they were asked to come and vote. And obviously they're not interested in voting, right? I mean, uh, they signed up for a different thing, but now they've also signed up. And but you assume that they're also going to be very active in your governance. But the reality is they're not. And so even though they had delegate voting, so delegate voting is a style that is popularly used yeah. in DAOs where, where they say, okay, all 100 people can't come and vote every time. So why don't we identify these five delegates, five people like elected officials, but they're not really elected, they're volunteers. And yeah. you give them your vote and they will vote on your behalf. And so only five people end up voting, but the 100 have to, the remaining 95 have to delegate votes to them. But what was happening in reality is people weren't delegating votes either because yeah. they're busy. They didn't sign up. I mean, you you assume they want to be active, but they act, uh, their interest levels aren't the same. And yeah. also what was happening is that the team who was closest to getting the work done sometimes felt powerless. Yeah, I'm the one working day and night. I understand the problems better than you. And now you're telling me instead of going right, I need to go left. But I'm like, no, right is the right way to go. Why are you telling me to go left? (laughs) This frustrating. And this happened in my own. It happened in my own town. There were people who were showing up for two hours or sometimes once a week 
was suddenly saying, hey, you're t- making most of the decisions. How about us? You're not involving us. I'm like, but you're not there every day. You know, you don't even know what's happening. We're moving at a lightning speed. There were two decisions where we involved the community that was active at that point of time, which was on budgeting. How should we budget now that we fundraised on Gitcoin? We've got mm-hmm. all this money. How should we budget and how should we reimburse people for their their contribution? So that yeah. was one discussion. And we took one month to uh, deliberate like we discussed and voted on uh uh, on a minimum wage that we should pay because that was literally we could pay. We didn't have that much money. And um, also on what 12 DAOs should we include in a study. But besides that, the work is happening at such a lightning speed that ideas and everything is getting discussed in Discord. And if you're not contributing to those discussions, which is basically collective decision-making, it's your yeah. loss. You, you cannot expect me to start writing snapshot proposals because this is what happens in a DAO when you want yeah, to get yeah. uh, you you want to vote on things you write a proposal it's literally very uh, bureaucratic it reminds yeah. me of too much bureaucracy <laughs> like every time you write oh my god let's write a proposal should the color be red or yellow for logo then go put it on snapshot then get your community to vote on it how inconvenient it is every time to connect your uh, wallet or leave your discord to go on a second platform to go vote on stuff obviously you will have low voter participation you won't get people every time and yeah. how frequently you vote like if you're voting every two weeks it leads to voter fatigue how much they, <laughs> it it tires them out they'll be like dude i'm here to get work done then to keep voting on your proposal yeah so yeah. it le- it has implications so i did another article recently it's on my crypto good substack uh, it is about all the problems that are there in the current DAO voting system, like yeah. governance, uh, including delegate voting is not perfect. And one person, one vote is not perfect, which was proof of humanity because yeah. th- they said there will be no civil attack. Every person is unique. And so they get one unique vote. But it, they failed in terms of uh, being the most democratic, fairest DAO because they split apart, literally. They had like a fight on Twitter. So uh, that's not perfect. Then what's, what's good? And so I have I've been advocating for layered governance where decision-making, not all decisions are treated the same and depending yeah. on what, what decision it is, the yeah. core team decides yeah. on certain things and based on how much you've contributed to a DAO, you get more decision-making power rather than somebody who just shows up for two hours a week. Then, yeah. you know, you don't decide on critical matters. You decide on more, uh, you know, like who should be the next guest on a podcast? Maybe you can take a call on that, you know, but yeah. not on like, what should we do in terms of who, sh- who should we interview from this DAO, which is part of a study? No, you don't have a say in that, you know, because you've not been that active. But so it's a, la- it's, a, it's a layered governance model. And uh, Valley DAO, the decentralized science DAO, they have a similar model. Region Network has a similar model. They call it the mm. nested governance. So these mm. models have been there. It's just that it's not been as popular as delegate voting because those were the ones that DeFi DAOs embrace. And then uh, the other DAOs, as I said, early DAOs in other sp- categories also embrace that by default. Do you think, um, is there like backlash, like questioning of layered governance that people oh, yeah. will be? Oh, yeah, people, you know, uh, I feel like the people who are pragmatic and who are yeah. forming DAOs to get work done and have gone through yeah. the pains, see the value in it. Yeah. And so these are people who are 
contributors and builders, but then the bystanders, you know, the ones who are just making observations or who yeah. have an opinion about what DAOs should be, yeah. might take offense. But I don't care. This, I mean, depending upon if you want to be, if you want to effectively collaborate on the internet to do meaningful work and get work done, so it's mm. very important we have conversations like these and we yeah. evolve evolve because as i said everything is an experiment nothing is perfect and maybe layered governance governance is still not the answer this is maybe the first year of layered governance where we will see more DAOs apply that and by yeah. the end of the year we might have a newer understanding and there could be something better but what we're doing is we're perfecting in this process we're coming yeah. up with a code you know what is it um i'm thinking like all these governance models they should have have like a back door, like no matter you, you have a way to challenge it, but people who are doing the stuff should have appropriate power in decision making and stuff. But there might be some like back door or there can there be a is foreign. It. See, yeah. And, and for for instance, on say let's take Gitcoin, which is a very mature yeah. DAO. As I said, they were a tech company, so they, it's not they've had like uh, they had they were already building on something to top of something really big. So they're mature, they have experience, they have impact, they have money, you know? So they weren't yeah, starting yeah. from zero. Uh, and so in they uh, they use on-chain voting. So the yeah. way governance moves in their DAO is that a proposal is submitted on discourse and mm. you discuss it on discourse. And okay. once once there's an enough buy-in on that proposal that people think yeah you know let's let's include this as part of the as part of gitcoin like this little initiative that we're suggesting or idea that we're suggesting say there's an enough buy-in then from discourse that will move into a snapshot proposal which is off-chain voting so mm. you go and uh, read up and you get your community vote on it and if there's enough support then it goes for final submission which is on-chain voting, which is the mm. autonomous part of the DAO. That is the only autonomous part of the DAO, mm. which is uh, you put this proposal now on Tally. Tally is this on-chain voting infrastructure. Yeah, Get your people to vote. And the moment the vote happens and based on the outcome, the funds automatically get distributed. So they do this for their budgeting, for the, mm. the various work streams, you know, so they have yeah. like a marketing work stream, grants, work stream different work streams i think they have six or seven work streams and so whenever they have to allocate budget to their work streams this is the process they take yeah you know and so it is very automatic there is no backdoor at that point of time the, your level of influence is up to discourse i would say or maybe snapshot too but snapshot is again it's taking your community's vote into account i think discourse is where you can influence things oh i think in that process you just uh, described because yeah. they have such a long time about discuss uh, of discussions on this course on various platforms. I guess there will be different layers of discussions happened before. I think that level of proper discussion and people get involved has already functioned as what I mentioned as a backdoor. Um, yeah, not like. Maybe yes, yeah. exactly. So that's where your influence as a core team ends, basically, at the discourse yeah. level. But, yeah. you know, you can influence the decision up till there because uh, you can say, hey, I've been part of this problem and this is what I suggest. But after that, it kind of ends. And that's the backdoor. Yes, you're right. Because once it goes to the tally, then it's mm. out of your hand. 
Yeah, I think that's also. I, I guess that's also for like the most important issues like budgeting. That yes, that concerns everyone. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, it's a good that discourse is there where discourse happens on the topic. Yeah, otherwise it is very autumn. And I don't know in what happens in other DeFi DAOs. There are totally different scale and game, but I don't know how much discussions they they undertake. You know, it's um, whether they straight go to snapshot and then go to tally, my, whether my they friend, totally yeah. <laughs> My friend is also having this kind of problem. She's building in a DeFi protocol, okay. and her team is having the same problem you described.、Uh, how to decide the color of something? Should we vote? And so she should better- adopt. Yeah. Adopt layered governance, layered governance, yeah, and this is、definitely. you know I've been studying. It had made me study organization models of Amazon. To distributed computing, which is distribute, you know,、uh, you know, distributed computing is a very、uh, computer yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know, it's、yeah. and it has made me study those models because they have solved it. So in Amazon as a company, everything happens at a pod level, and、uh, Jeff Bezos has given a very good speech where it's called the day one. I think、mm. he wrote to his shareholders that everybody should always be in the day one mode and.、Mm. Talked a great deal about decision making, and that not all decisions should be treated same. And how、yeah. do you be agile and effective? So in Amazon, everybody works at a pod level. Pod level is not more than ten people in a、mm-hmm. in a pod,、uh, and that's fine. They still meet physically, so ten is fine. But in an internet based organization, I would say not more than five people. You know, because you're、yeah. just coordinating across different time zones and stuff like that.、Yeah. And ten people then decide. They're given a budget. You run the show. And they can be ha- they can have a competing pod too. They can have like、yeah. suppose you're you're doing、uh, newsletters,、uh, this pod. You can have another competing pod, and whichever whichever pod does better, the allocation goes to that pod next time. You know, yeah, and so they、yeah. they call decentralized. They're decentralized work streams. Yeah, Amazon Jeff Bezos is not influencing it. It's all based on outcome. It is all based on efficiency, and、uh, all those pods are taking. Making their own decisions, you know, and how much、yeah. budget they get is based on their effectiveness. Yeah, I, I think it's also very interesting that you compare a distributed system like a computer system、um, to management models. I think、exactly. that's like the beautiful part that you see the、uh, rules, the things that happen between different. Kinds of subjects, but they they can in, enlighten each other. They inspire each other. I think we see a lot of these things happening in the space. That's、um, right. But, yeah, I also feel that there is some some kind of trend that <laughs> you mentioned Amazon, but but do you do you feel some pushback when you tell people that you want to adopt some of the methods of Amazon? But Amazon calls、yeah. Amazon calls it decentralized. I'm I can send you the 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 clippings.、I've, I keep posting clippings on my Twitter when I see like,、yeah. you know, I find interesting models, and they they call themselves decentralized from yeah, day one.、Yeah. So it's not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know,、oh, there's another company I want to go deep with. It's called GitLab, and GitLab、mm. has been a remote first con-、uh, company from day one, and I'm sure there are great learnings there too. Yeah, But yeah, yeah, obviously they might not have decentralization, and that's something to look into. But、uh, 
And by the way, can I tell you, Zappos is a Silicon Valley company. You know, the shoe company where you directly order shoes from the website. They applied applied holacracy and stuff and they failed. They quietly removed it. So what I'm trying to say is that um, holacracy and sociocracy is big thing in DAOs, right? They're they're, they're the, the, the code. But sometimes if you want to maintain effectiveness, in outcomes, I think you need to find a middle path. We can't get obsessed yeah. with things like democracy. I yeah, mean, I come from <laughs> India, and I know democracy doesn't work in India. It's highly bureaucratic. You know, like yeah. it is a failure in terms. I mean, people are still free and stuff, but in terms of efficiency, it's not efficient, right? Yeah. And there's too much bureaucracy. So democracy extreme is neither good, and uh, holacracy extreme might not be good. We need to find like a middle path. You know, where yes. On the spectrum, yeah. On the spectrum, yes. That's what it is, and that's what all the builders who were who've gone through this uh, process, like Klima Dao Marcus, uh, who's be you know Klima Dao is a protocol uh, where they do carbon credits on chain, and they launched as a Dao from day one, and he's gone through this journey for over a year now. Yeah. He's proposing for a middle path. They've totally done a restructuring of the organization structure. They've, uh, they're now not going to vote so much. He told that on my podcast that they will not be voting that much and keep voting to middle. So these are people who appreciate my views because they have gone through this journey. Anybody who's on the outside who has not really run a DAO, but want to hold on to the beliefs that it has to be decentralized. And this is what decentralization mean. Then, you know, yeah, come join a DAO and learn <laughs> what it is. I, you know? I totally agree. I totally agree. I think it's, it has to be like a dynamic system. Like maybe different people coming in at different stage, like the level of decentralization can be changed it just yes. has, you have to be practical while engaging in communities exactly. and different exactly. people. And yeah. you know, the beauty of DAOs is that they are very yeah. adaptive. Can you see yeah. how much impact our media has adapted? From season one to season two, we're going to be having a totally different approach to things. And so DAOs are very fluid, which is great because organizations, traditional organizations are very fixed in their ways of doing things. Yeah. You know, they don't yeah. move around... And this kind of chaos, people moving in and out, forces people to understand, find a way that works with this kind of floating population, you know, which contributors come and go. Because it's understandable, DAOs have not gone mainstream. Most of the people mm. who are contributing are part-time. And once they become mainstream and it becomes like a more of a paid full-time uh, thing, or maybe it will never become. Maybe contributors the kind of contributors it attracts are the people more nomadic or more interest-based, you know? And so they yeah. want to go and experience different DAOs rather than stick around with one DAO, right? Yeah. It yeah. means you get that power. Like you want to do media today? Okay, let's do join Impact on Media. Okay, tomorrow you want to fight for some climate? Let's go join some other DAO. Or you want to do, you know, like they can move around, which is great. They're like butterflies. And it's amazing because you gain variety of experience everywhere. Yes, definitely. Um, but do you think that this kind of model is limited to impact DAOs or all other kind uh, of DAOs? See, can- I, I, I can't talk on behalf of other DAOs because the relationship is very financial over there. So in order to be part oh, of a yes. DeFi DAO, you need to have a token, you need to buy decentralization. It's a totally different game. That's why I'm trying to even 
Initiate Impact DAO is a category. I mean, this category was not even known that much, but now that we've done a book, we've studied, and I've been doing like a virtual book tour. Literally, I've been on so many podcasts that are not mm-hmm. directly uh, connected to impact space or sh- social impact space, but they're, they're the DAO space, you know, the bigger DAO space where there are yeah. mostly DeFi DAOs or NFT DAOs. Their voices are heard, but not the impact DAO voices are not heard. They didn't even know that there is something called impact DAOs. So I've been on those podcasts and I've talked about impact DAOs. Mm-hmm. Like I recently had Aragon on my podcast. So Aragon is this company. They were the first company to do DAO yeah. tooling, to build the DAO yeah, infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they yeah I know that. In, yeah. yeah, and they started in 2016. In 2017, they did an ICO thing mm. so they got uh, you know ICO uh, to basically fundraise and every person who participated in got an ant token but they've been operating as a company till now and just I think maybe in last two or three weeks or maybe it's still to happen but they're transitioning into a DAO and which is a big yeah. thing so I, I had Anthony uh, from Aragon come and talk and so their views about DAOs is very maximalist you know like this is how the DAO should be it should be on chain permissionless but I'm like Anthony I just finished studying 12 impact DAOs and this is not how they function they function differently relationships matter you know know, it's not so trustless it is a very trusted environment yes so it's different and so I'm trying to break uh bring the impact DAO narrative to the bigger DAO narrative you know yeah I think the point that relationship values and different person's interests and their aptitude and what their skills, this kind of ideas, this also matters in traditional, I mean, in other DAOs, outside of impact DAO spaces and traditional organizations. So I feel I, they, will, they will start rethinking. It didn't begin yeah. like this, right? It began in yeah. 2021 when it was all about money, right? And yeah. uh, NFTs really took crypto to mainstream and uh, everything was selling in 2021. You launched any coin, any shit coin, as they said. <laughs> will, yeah. You will yeah. find market for it, right? It was like that. Yeah. And yeah. so it, it started from a very financial way, but I think it's moving more, it's gaining meaning, it's get, gaining sense. Also, the DAO governance is going to become non-financial moving forward. Uh, the, uh, you know, we didn't have Solbond token. Solbond token paper came out only in May 2022. Yeah. And uh, there are now these sp- uh, badges that are being designed, which will be your on-chain reputation. And in the future, it will even take place of degrees, like rather than issuing degrees, uh, you know, you will just get like, uh, say, Harvard will only give you this kind of a token or a badge which proves that you've completed your undergrad from Harvard for instance and so it lives in your wallet so those things didn't exist and they're coming now they're very new so I think the whole DAO governance is going to be non-financial tokens um, not so financial because right now to participate in governance you need to have the financial token right that gets traded on decentralized exchange for yeah. instance gitcoin i need to be holding gtc to be yeah. able to participate in the dao and uh, and that also raises questions like just affordability is is yeah. that what you're saying that in order to that you should be able to afford something to be able to participate in my governance or what sh- should it be that you should contribute something and earn your right to participate through non-financial yeah. tokens that I give you a badge yeah. because you've been such a great contributor. Now you're invited to participate in my governance, you know? So what it is. So we, as I said, our values are very different. It's more about inclusivity and accessibility, but then how do we in that with those value systems then create a DAO 
that also optimizes for efficiency, you know? So yeah. that's yeah. what it is. Definitely. Um, so you said you you before um doing full time in, in Pakdao, you've yeah. already been working social impacts and those yes. kind of um can you tell tell me something about those yeah, experiences? So- Yes, definitely. So I started my journey in uh, India. I did my, I've done my undergrad in psychology honors and I've done my master's in social development. And and as part of my master's program, uh, there was a lot of practical along with theory. So I had to go spend time in the slums in Bombay and uh, uh, apply whatever I've studied in my classroom. So basically that was a fantastic experience. I would say like it was so like hands-on as well as uh, theory was built in. And then I uh, was part of the founding United Way team in India. So United Way chapter didn't exist in India mm. at that point of time. And United Way is this big American organization that has chapters all over the world. And so I was part of the founding team and got to work with the board members because they were just two people and board members. But those board members were people like the CEO of Citibank or JP Morgan. So really like CEOs of American companies because they it was in the interest that they started United Way there. And so I got to directly work with them. And as part of that, I even traveled to Beijing uh, because there was a United yeah. Way <laughs> gathering happening there. That was amazing. And then I moved to Singapore and I did my, I did a course in social entrepreneurship from uh, from uh, NCR in Singapore. Mm-hmm. I also helped uh, World Toilet Organization, which is a big organization based in Singapore. Uh, Jack Sim, he's a very famous personality. And um, uh, he's taken up this cause for sanitation. You know, being in Singapore where everything is so sterile and so great, like there's nothing imperfect. He mm-hmm. found this need for sanitation that 2.6 billion people in the world don't have access to toilets yeah. or hygiene and all this stuff. So. Mm-hmm. I helped him fundraise for a bit and we raised money from Singapore's Economic Development Board, um, which was a great win, and Unilever and some other companies. And then I moved on to work with Salesforce Foundation. So Salesforce is a technology company based in SF. And they, uh, you know, the founder, Mark Benioff, he committed 1% equity you know that the moment the company was he started as a startup like like yeah. and he it was he was working from his bedroom basically but he said that the day i'm going to commit one percent of salesforce equity to doing good mm-hmm. and so the day the company went public it was so much money that came into the foundation so he created value yeah. from nothing yeah. literally and he yeah. committed one percent so they had and that model has been embraced by google box like literally every other silicon valley company they've committed one percent and uh there's a one percent fund where they advocate companies or startups that when you're just starting off when you have no money right now but one day you will have money allocate one percent right now commit to it and so i was managing their philanthropy for asia pacific so i got to travel uh, to uh, different parts including australia uh, you know where they had an office and uh and they um really had uh, KPIs around getting the employees engaged in community yeah. work and volunteering work. So that was amazing. Yeah. And then I moved to California. So I moved around quite a bit. And, and uh, when I was in the US, I launched my own publication. Uh, also, I was based in Silicon Valley. So I was really influenced by the tech scene there. It was 2010, 2011, like really hot tech scene. Like all the companies were just going public, like Facebook and stuff. So I started writing about uh, technology social impact you know entrepreneurs are using platforms technology you know uh internet to gain scale 
in momentum. And so we, I wrote about Kiva, which is a microfinance platform and uh, many other platforms like these, you know, uh, around, yeah. e- around uh, ethical goods as well, you know, like where yeah. you start an ethical goods company and then you uh, pay, pay fair wages, say get something made in Guatemala and then, you know, you use internet to grow and make impact basically. So I was doing yeah. a lot of that. And uh, yeah, and then um, gradually I just moved into into this Web three. <laughs> I I, th- I thought it's so interesting that a meme uh, coin, you know, that Shiba coin donation by Vitalik Buterin, really pulled me into that campaign. And also because I had worked in India, I kind of understood their regulatory uh, limitations because you can't bring foreign funds to India and give yeah. it to. You know, the nonprofits need need to have special registration to accept this kind of money coming yeah. from foreign sources. So I was like, how are they going to bring this crypto money to India? You know, sometimes the donors are anonymous. You don't even know. And yeah. so I wanted to track the money trail as well. And uh, it was very interesting how they did it. I documented everything on CryptoGood. So, and I feel, I see the future now. Like, DAOs are the future. You know, I've gone so deep into it, see the importance of it. People are living more isolated lives, you know, uh, and they're looking for meaningful ways to connect on the internet. And I feel uh, DAOs will become that, you know. Yeah, definitely. So do you think, um, is there any way to get more non-for-profit, like social enterprises into the space? Yes, so much work needs to be done. I yeah. think the awareness level is very low right now amongst the yeah. nonprofits and social entrepreneurs. So I'm trying to work. I, I have a friend who was uh, really big in TechSoup. So I don't know if you know about TechSoup, but TechSoup is this uh, go-to platform for nonprofits around the world when they want to learn what's the latest in technology. And their TechSoup's mission is to digitize nonprofit space. So I've been having conversations with him that we should bring Web3 uh, conversations into TechSoup now because Web3 is the frontier for doing good. Yeah. And Web3 tools, for instance, you know, the tooling yes, are uh, very important. So yes, that's a challenge. Like I know Stanford Social Innovation Review is a magazine that's read by social entrepreneurs and I would love that they feature us. I think I, the latest biggest win that has been in the space is that I contributed to the research of World Economic Forum. So World Economic Forum recently wrote a report on DAOs. I think they called it the yeah. DAO Toolkit. And that was being written in October, November. And I got introduced to the team that was working on it. And I'm like, listen, I'm running a DAO and I'm doing a research. It's very important that you read all my pieces that I've been publishing because I've been publishing research as we are, we are going along. You know, yeah. I did like, I was, I'm doing storytelling. Like I, I wrote about how a Gitcoin function. I'm like, you got to read all of this uh, because these are stories from the builders. They, they're the yeah. ones who are building it. And then I also yeah. went and edited the definition on DAOs because they they had a very, uh, the narrative that's been painted and is prominent on the internet, but not the the working narrative of what a DAO is. So I went yeah. and contributed to that research and as well. And I'm so glad my name got mentioned in the end. And it talk, it's Impact DAO media. I think Impact DAO is what is great because you know, uh, at the World uh, Economic Forum stage, in fact, DAO as a name has gone up. And yeah. uh, and they listed a lot of DAOs from our study, Human DAO, Ukraine DAO, because they were yeah. looking for examples too. And I was I, I told them, go to my crypto good Substack, start reading. And I, I emailed them the links to everything. And also how we selected our 12 DAOs, I did like a, an article on it. And that has been a great source of information for a lot of beginners, like uh, people in this space. Yeah. Uh, you know, so 
they just got 12 names from there literally you know of impact house oh so what do you think, think is yeah sorry um i want to ask what do you think is the biggest obstacle for oh, bringing more yeah, organizations think- into the space I think uh, bridges are needed. You know, for instance, if you have connections and you uh, are you part of a university, which mm-hmm. also teaches uh, social development or something, then we need, and you believe in Web3, then you help make those introductions or you go do a chat conversation on it. It has to be a decentralized movement of bringing that information to them. And uh, I initially, when I started CryptoGood, I was thinking I'm going to educate the nonprofit space about web3 and tooling and how to do things differently but then i realized that some of them are so set in their ways of doing things that they will never change and they will never embrace but then the new generation the ones that are still in college you know are getting uh they're earning their degrees in social development international development or social entrepreneurship, we need to have conversations there. Also, I'm helping Jack Sim. Uh, you know, uh, he's, uh, as I said, he's from Singapore. He's a world-famous social entrepreneur. His 20-year-old organization, uh, He's he saw me uh, tweeting, uh, not tweeting, but sharing on LinkedIn about DAOs. And he's like, I've been meaning to transition W2O as a DAO, but I have not been getting right advice. Everybody's telling me, launch a token. I'm like, DAOs are not tokens again, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. And, and so he's been getting all this wrong advice, but he trusts me because I've, we've worked together in the past. And like, now you seem to know everything about this DAO space. You help me how to transition. So we've started like a small pod between mm-hmm. him. Uh, he has a, uh, Jack is a colleague in Dubai and myself. And we're doing a, uh, we're doing a, a why on why W2O should become a DAO. And Jack is going to get some people from Singapore engaged mm-hmm. in, process like he's a, a a faculty at Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy you know mm. honorary so he's going to start getting people engaged in the process in Singapore and I think he could help me take this narrative to a more mainstream world at least or uh, do a proper breakout in you know in what DAOs are in in Singapore at least you know so it has to happen like this you know this is uh, I'm yeah. doing it right now but more decentralized way of getting people interested in this space showing yeah. them the back decentralized grassroots movement and people coming exactly. together to a shilling exactly. point yeah. yes because you've that. learned about it you're yeah. enlightened you've seen yeah. this is it then how you go and tell this story to the next person or through ways that if you tell that next node, you know, in computer systems, you call them the node and that node yeah. is influential enough to blast it out to hundred other nodes, you know? So how do yeah. you find those, those big nodes that can stream this information to other nodes? I feel like Jack is great because he's committed. He wants to transition WTO, which is a 20 year old nonprofit in Singapore to yeah. a DAO. And it can become like a real great case study if it goes. So I'm really committed to help him because he's committed in, I'm committed in the future of uh, DAOs uh, as being yeah. a model for organization. And I believe that's a future for his organization. He's built this great sanitation movement all around the world, but those people aren't talking to each other. They're very fragmented, but now if yeah. you bring them online into one big community, they can start talking to each other. Plus he can get the newer generation excited by doing NFTs and stuff, right? Like he yes. can do it like an yes. NFT launch. And he's yes. always been very quirky about the subject sanitation and he's an artist himself and his you should 
he there's a documentary made on made on him too and he's acted like a james bond he's like uh so he's very funny himself and so he knows the art all he can negotiate so much cultural power into yes exactly yeah so i'm so yeah i'm helping him because i feel like he can really help uh take this mainstream as well at his level you know so yeah that sounds really inspiring and prosperous (laughs) thank you And uh, uh, happy uh, Chinese New Year, Gongxi Fa Chai. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but I've lived in Singapore yes. and I know uh, the greeting. So. Yeah, it is Gongxi Fa Chai. Thank you. Yeah. And we have been talking for such a long time. It's a really, really interesting conversation we've had. So I think it comes to our last question about leadership. That's also something that's resonate with me. Uh, the other day I saw your post, like in a DAO, you have to lead instead of uh, dominate. Exactly. What, can you tell, tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, I, I feel like there is a difference between a leader and a boss. Boss is more like do this, do that. It's being more yeah. like in a, being in a school, you know, like you're yeah, being tutored. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got to finish this work by 5 p.m. or you can't leave. You know, and then you do it out of force. It's not yeah. from heart. So yeah. leader's job is to inspire and yeah. uh, really find what is it that excites this person, you know, that I'm trying to engage in getting the Tao's mission fulfilled. So what excites that person and how do we find that role for that person? So that's the kind of role that I played in my Tao. And, I, uh, and I'm so glad one of the Tao contributors came up and shared this on a podcast. And I've actually extracted a yeah. 50-60 second clip and I'm sharing it on Twitter because it, it's very fascinating. So he's a, a British guy. He's based in Korea and he's a published author. He's written a book before and he joined my DAO from day one. He got mm-hmm. very excited about the mission and the research and uh, just writing. And uh, he's also the editor-in-chief for uh, our book, Impact DAOs. And um, and so for, and it was first time we all came together as a DAO and he was in, a DAO for five, uh, in our Discord for five days and he's like, Deepa, I'm getting overwhelmed, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, okay, don't worry. It just you and me, let's maintain a contact over a group, uh, over a direct chat. And I'm like, what is it you want to do? Do you want to do interviews? And he tried doing proof of humanity interview, one mm. of that. And he's like, you know what? This space is very new to me. The questions aren't coming automatically, like in terms of asking the interviewer, you know? Mm. And so maybe interview is not something I want to do. I'm like, okay, I don't know what will really get him inspired, but I really want him because he's great. His skill sets are great. I want yeah. him. And he commented to the cause. So how do I keep him engaged? And then uh, we formed a collaboration with Bank Lestau. And through that collaboration, uh, we were given like every two weeks, we could publish a report in Bankless. And I thought that's great because Bankless distribution is amazing. And I came back to Matthew, um, you know, uh, this um, really great guy. And I'm like, listen, would you want to be, would you be interested in doing summaries for Bankless, a research yeah. publishing for Bankless? Like, yeah, I'd love to. Because that he's a writer. He found his head and, uh, and he stayed with us. He's one of 
the only person who stayed with us from the beginning to the end. And in mm-hmm. the last seven days, it was just him and me working together on the book because he was the editor and I was writing and he was editing. And we we it was just him and me and we were just talking to each other and um, uh, and uh, just, you know, all the thoughts around how we should publish and all that. And so... And he talked about that leadership. He's like, he's unemployable in the sense that he yeah. has reached the level where he, his skills are not for sale. You know, like literally, oh, yeah. I'm, un, I'm unhirable. You know, I can pick and choose where I want to work. And he yeah. continued to stay in impact on media because firstly, I didn't use force. I didn't say you got to do this or you got to. I just found something that excited him and inspired yeah. him. He was already committed to the mission because he, that got him excited to join us in first place. But then how yeah. do you do that? And that's yeah. why I've, I've had conversations with all my contributors, even people mm. in my Discord who are not active. There are about 150 mm. people. I've had co- one-on-one conversations with at least 80 of them because I want to know what excites them, what brings them to my Discord in the first place. And then I know I can map their skill sets okay he's a visual designer or yeah. he's so and so um, and some you know you'll be surprised so there's this girl Yvonne she's uh, with New York Times she's part of their uh, design team and mm. uh, she wasn't she didn't show any interest in doing any visuals for us any graphics for us she yeah. showed interest in research yeah and and which is because maybe this is what she does for her living and she wants to do something different yeah. in the down. Yeah. This is very interesting. So it's also not just what you're good at, but what excites you. You know, so yeah. you might yeah. have a certain skill set, but you don't want to apply that skill set in this DAO. You want to try something new and different, and that excites you. Then mm. I literally help them find those roles or find, you know, what work they can do within the DAO. And then they're pretty autonomous. They're pretty motivated to do it. I don't, you, you don't have to, you know, you've just found them something that really excites them. And so they're pretty autonomous after that. They're pretty permissionless after that. I'm aware that there might be gaps between a, a, a point someone excited to the point of deliverables. Yes. You know? So how, how do you manage that? Yeah. So those are big learnings because I became yeah. a central point of coordination. And yeah. th- that's something I want to decentralize moving forward in season two. So I'm going to have pod level uh, decentralization work. So I'm going to set up pods. So uh, a pod for doing research. Mm. And so, uh, you know, all the people who are actively engaged in that pod and once they subdivide, we can appoint one or two co-leaders for that mm. pod. So it's not yeah. me. You know, but at the same time, I have a good handle on what's going on. So if something, if we think we're taking too long to execute, then I can, you know, because we are very, uh, we are very uh, fast paced as well. Not yes. because we want to do things in a hurry, but because we feel there's a sense of urgency. We can't sit around forever. Yeah, you know, and because there's, the space there's so many, is changing so, so exciting. Yeah. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. Yeah. And we need to keep uh, studying it at a, at a with sense of urgency. So. I love. I will obviously have a handle, but at the same time, I want to decentralize work. You know, have a lot yeah. of documentation in Notion about how about different a visual map of where we are, what are our uh, uh, tasks, what are our different pods set up. So if newcomers come, they mm. can 
figure out, or, you know, we're going to be using Wonderverse. It's a tool for task management. It's a decentralized Web3 native tool. So we're going to set up a pods there. We're going to list every task in that pod and the tasks are visible. So if anybody wants, comes in and say, hey, I can do this task totally for you, just takes the tasks from there. So I want to decentralize. I know it's going to take time initially, like it may delay me by five days doing all Mm -hmm. this uh, groundwork, but I think it's very important that we set ourselves for more decentralized work rather than me becoming a central point of coordination. Yeah, makes sense. It's very interesting to see you from season one to season two, like two different layers of things. Yeah, yeah. I I just hope it doesn't end up becoming like season one. I really want to decentralize work, um, and so I think there's a strong intent to do that. And uh, let's see how it goes. So today, I'm basically what I'm going to be doing in my Discord is just outlining every single task related to the first step, which is research. Mm-hmm and uh, putting it out in my discord and all the new contributors then can pick and choose and we've mm-hmm. organized ourselves into different pods who's doing research and then podcast is a pod like uh and uh, you know converting that research into different media formats is going to be one pod because you know we want to do quotation quotes just pull out the quotes powerful quotes and share it on social media just pull out 60 seconds clips from mm. around voting and share it on social media. You know, so there are different ways to break down the research in engaging media format. And so yeah. there'll be a part looking at that because it's very important. We tell those stories. So we call ourselves researchers and storytellers. And uh, so we need to execute on both of those. Um, do you use some of the traditional management tools like set deadlines or KPIs or it's more relaxed and it is it, it is relaxed we have an overall timeline that like we need to finish the work by end of May uh, in terms of our first season two but mm-hmm. then in there are times when we are very relaxed and everybody like the conf, you know you're going and but then there are times that you need to really pull in the uh then all-nighters you know like when we were doing yeah, the yeah. I was like yeah. waking up at three in the morning they were like barely <laughs> but and then so was uh, my uh was uh this uh, editor of ours in uh, Korea like he has his day job but he's mm. giving more time on this project at that point of time and there were periods when uh all he had was doing was uh writing a research report every once every two weeks right so that was his contribution so he was there but in the end his time commitment was more, he committed to it. And so there are sprint stages, you know, when you want to sprint and get the work done out. But then there are times when you can take it easy and chill. And that's the beauty because you're working collectively that one person doesn't have to take the pressure. You can, Mm. you know, if you want to back off for a bit, like there are people who went on holidays. I attended conferences, I traveled. And, uh, And so there were times when we slowed down, but then there were times. So we have an overall end goal. And as long as we can meet that end goal somehow, Mm. you know uh it's fine was the end goal uh set up together or in initially I, kind of- I i've initially set it up so that's why i'm very i'm not very rigid about it it can move here and there because yeah. i do understand that in those things and like if you're going alone you can go faster definitely but then mm. uh, when you're going as a team uh it things slow down so I'm very aware of that I actually put deadline as April but now while I'm talking to you I'm saying May but <laughs> hopefully it should be May and now we're going we have a research infrastructure in place we don't have to build a lot of things we have a podcast editor in place last time we didn't have that person he only showed up like last three months so we had all these amazing in- audio interviews sitting with us with nobody uh, to edit and so the moment he came I launched the podcast all about impact house and we had 22 episodes and th- three three months time 
And we ha- we have amazing response, so many downloads from all parts of the world. So as a new podcast, it has done amazingly well. It's ads free, no interruptions, and yeah. uh, it's completely funded through a Gitcoin fundraiser that we did. You know, so it's so nice that we're so Web three uh, native <laughs> in our ways of doing things. Yeah, yeah, I can see your from my experience in DAOs and my observation. You have definitely hit a point of a sweet point of um, getting different opinions and different people together, and uh, effectiveness. It sounds yes. really great. Yeah. So one last question: um, What suggestions do you have for for DAOs that is trying to improve their governance and to yeah. have better results in the next uh, year in the space? So- yeah, so I've been having this governance conversations with people of all types. And one of the person that I've had that I really respect is David Berlin uh, from Canada. He's very active in politics. Yeah, he's part mm-hmm. of something called the E-Democracy DAO. And mm-hmm. he's written many books on democracy. And uh, he's a writer. He launched the first cultural magazine in Canada, which is very big. It's called The Walrus. So I was talking to him about everything that I've seen in DAOs and about voting. And he heard me talk for 45 minutes and then 10 minutes he summarized everything. And I was like, wow, it's, you know, and he's 70 years old. So he's seen the world, he's seen everything. And he's like interviewed King of Jordan to just about anyone and everyone. So he's really influential and seen the world. And he's like, and he's right now studying First Nation people, you know, in Canada. Mm, yeah. And uh, so what he say, said is that right now, DAOs should stop voting and start yeah. forming like-mindedness. Get to know your people first. Do not jump yes. into voting from day one, yes. you know. it's yes. He said process is greater than progress. So what he meant by process is create like-mindedness as a group. At yes. least get to know whether we can work together. And he gave me an example of a couple who doesn't spend time dating and just straight goes into what furniture should we buy for a living room, you know? And they have no <laughs> like-mindedness. They don't even know if they can stand each other for one hour. And yeah. asking them to vote. And so that was powerful. So my advice would be that when you form a team, uh, don't get into voting as the way it's being discussed prescribed in the DAOs, form mm-hmm. like-mindedness, get to know your team, have conversations, keep voting to minimal, discuss ideas. I think discussion is better yeah. than voting because voting leads to pol- polarization. But it yes. achieves, and discussions achieve the same results. So what you do is you put out an idea, you discuss it, and you reach a point of understanding, whether you like it or not, but at least you've reached a point of understanding and you understand the perspective of why a certain thing is being done in a certain way. So do yes. not go down the official voting route of how DeFi DAOs function, you know? And so keep voting minimal and matters that are essentially critical. Uh, I think those matters, the team who's more engaged in getting work done should be more in, uh, involved in those decision-making matters. And for other matters, which are not so critical, you can apply quadratic voting to it where you can get the entire community to vote. And, um, you know, so don't keep all decision-making alike. And Vitalik Buchan has also wrote a post on it. It's called DAOs are not corporations. And he's advocating for 
a similar approach of pod level decentralization uh you know put your decision making in different buckets do not treat them alike and then uh decide where you want everybody to vote and where you want only certain people to vote and that at vote at pod levels rather than you know at an overall yes. community level so i think this is this would be my advice like make sense what is it that you're trying to accomplish with voting and then work backwards from there you know and don't just follow yes. blindly yeah. question it communication cooperation yes coordination instead of mindlessly voting exactly yeah this i mean see i had voting experts come and do a podcast with me when i got a pushback in my own dao because i was first time doing the dao thing and a lot of contributors came from different daos and they had an expectation that i'm not you know doing snapshot voting and i'm like what does that really mean uh, everything is being put out in the discord and we're discussing everything do you want me to now start writing proposals and go on snapshot doesn't make sense because we're adding more processes you know rather yeah. than doing the actual work it takes time away from the actual work yes and so i called in these voting people from different parts and we had the cto of proof of humanity on that podcast we had this girl from i think she's from common stack and she is really deeply involved in research and mm-hmm. so she shared a research insight with me and we had people from uh, alpha climate dao uh, the co-founders they are very big on holacracy and they and i love their approach the way they're building alpha climate dao which is not very voting intensive it's very relationship first approach yeah. and um, and um, and they talked about it and and the idea is get to know your people you know and yeah. uh, design from first principle and ukraine da for instance alona she uh, is the one who got me into the dao rabbit hole and i'm very inspired by her work her uh, dao was part of my study her dao also got voted to be the best dao by one of the uh, web3 mainstream media and uh, her approach she is the only full time person and the rest of the dao is made up of volunteers but they work at pod levels and so mm-hmm. as a full time person obviously she's best to know the direction the dao should take but otherwise everything else at pod levels is decided at uh, collectively right yeah. like okay now we have a pod for organizing a key tech summit then you, you guys handle that right but yeah. somebody needs to do the top level thinking and this is what she does and so obviously she has more she can influence more because she's there every single day she's the only solid point of contact and the only permanent part of that dao but then there are these pods where people have committed to get yeah. things done and then you all collectively decide now what is to be done yeah makes sense definitely thank you for your insight What no, thank nice you, Isha. This is such a great conversation. I am so grateful you asked all these really good questions, very good questions around DAOs. I think it will help bring understanding to a lot of people who will listen to this podcast. Yes, to people in DAO space and how we can go forward from our yes. from all the people's experiment. Right, we are having exactly. this great experiment. Yes, and also because right now people just. because the biggest narrative is around defi dao by default everybody thinks this is how a dao should function but we've studied a totally different category of daos and what we've learned is that it's a different way of operating the defi dao operating structure is not one structure that applies to all yes and maybe even for defi dao there are room for better for governance innovation. for better innovation. cooperation exactly for better 
connectivity among people, not just things. That's not right. just money. Yeah, that's right. Really great talking to you. Same here. Thank you so much, and let's Thank stay you. connected. Thank you.